0: Hello and welcome to the Strengthening Your Marriage podcast with Jeremy and Hayley. This is episode six and it's titled Connecting Personally. Yeah, just a flag up front, this episode came out substantially longer than we'd anticipated. You'll hear me get a bit passionate and animated at points. So we have split it into two. We figure ourselves that sometimes it's easier to listen to things within smaller timeframes. So we've broken this up. For your benefit. And if you've got more time, you might just like to play the two back to back and have them together as a package. But otherwise, we'll hope they'll work okay, split in two, and be a bit easier to listen to in smaller chunks. Now, as has been our habit, we'll do a quick recap of episode five. And it was on habits of confession and forgiveness. Last week, we spoke about how critical it is to take responsibility for the wrong that we do at times to our spouse and Paul Tripp had spoken about patterns of confession and forgiveness as being this kind of fertile soil for a marriage to grow and flourish that allows for real unity to develop when when that's a pattern when that's something that happens in an ongoing way we we use the term habits because we're wanting to convey that it's something that gets built into your relationship and it's something that you learn to do again and again as things come up. Paul Tripp in his book uses the term lifestyle, and I like that because it captures that repeated sense that this is something that we do, a way of life that we have that, that actually makes for a rich foundation for our marriages. And there's quite a lot of ideas that we threw around in our car trip up to Newcastle around. That. And it was hard to work out what to include and what just to let go because There's a lot that's been written on particularly forgiveness and different understandings of forgiveness in the Christian world. And we really just focused on, I guess, stuff that we had worked through firsthand or that was particularly relevant thinking that we had done. There are a few things that we didn't uh, express there. I wanted to clarify why one partner saying sorry to the other And the other responding by saying, it's okay. Why that doesn't cut it from a biblical perspective. So I think we can say, sorry, we can be apologetic. We can have something of a sense of the impact of our actions on our spouse. But there's something I think that's quite deep about saying, Will you forgive me? It's, it's taking that to the next level of actually taking responsibility and owning what we've done. So I think that's important, would you say, Haley? Yeah. Yeah. And the idea of it's okay is, I guess, relating it back to something that Haley said from the Paul Tripp livestream series was that by forgiving someone, we're not just excusing, I guess, the wrong that they have done. What did Paul say again there? Yeah, yeah.
1: So he said that love doesn't call wrong right. Yes, yes. So it's not just sort of glossing things over and going, oh, it's okay. I'm just going to forget it because I want to be forgiving. Yeah. Or I won't raise that because I want to be forgiving. Yes. But if something is wrong, God never calls us to pretend it's not.
0: Yes. So by saying it's okay is kind of downplaying
1: what's happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's not actually dealing with
0: the issues
1: necessarily.
0: Yes. Mm. Yeah. And I guess, in terms of talking about forgiveness, forgiveness is choosing not to hold on to the anger you have against someone because of what they have done to you. Mm-hmm. It's recognizing that something hurtful or unjust has happened and the, the other person has done that. And as a result, you are rightly angry about what they have done. But forgiveness is choosing not to hold onto that anger against the other person once they've taken responsibility and they've seen the damage it's caused and they've asked you to forgive them. And that's an ongoing process. And one of the things that a good friend of ours has done a lot of thinking about forgiveness and had firsthand experience of real wrongs, really hurtful things happening from people close to them, and part of that journey has been going to God with the anger uh, felt about particular people, particular actions, particular situations, and telling God about how unfair it's, it's felt, telling God about the desire to be vindicated, to be put right, to be seen to be in the right when hurtful things have been said, things that are untrue. And even when forgiveness has been sought, it's not just a one-and-done thing of granting forgiveness. We might need to keep going to God and talking to him about the ongoing anger or the way that the consequences of those persons' actions, even though they've owned them now, are still impinging on us, are still reaping a destructive impact on us. Mm. And I guess it's not a light thing to forgive. It's it's a pretty huge thing. Mm. Now this week, we're talking about connecting personally and it's very hard for me to think about the content that we're going to talk about today without thinking about Ed Welsh. Ed Welch taught a couple of my subjects that I've done through CCF, Helping Relationships and Human Personality and I just feel like he's a really dear friend. I've only seen him in person twice and had one personal conversation with him face to face but he shared so much of himself and So much of what he shared flows out of knowing God and knowing what God says really well and its connection to life. And he's been a means that God has used to really grow and change me and profoundly shape my understanding of of people and how we relate together. So I'm deeply grateful for him. And particularly his Helping Relationships class has this emphasis on what it means to be personal. He says that the goal of our interactions together is to have the other person on our heart so that we want to pray for them. That applies to all relationships. So talking about a church context, people gather together, the basic building blocks of caring for someone else are being impacted by them and what they're facing such that you you go away, they weigh on you and you naturally desire what's good for them. And that just overflows into speaking to God on their behalf. Wanting God to act for their good in light of what you found out about their situation and what they're facing. So that kind of really sums up, really helpfully, I think, this idea of being personal. And and Edward's classy goes into unpacking that in a lot more detail. But it really flows from the fact that God is personal. That's at the heart of everything. And we see in a passage like John chapter 15, Jesus says to his disciples, This is not long before that Jesus is about to be crucified. There's this extended discourse the night before with his disciples, preparing them for what's ahead. And he says, I no longer call you servants, for a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends, for everything that I knew from the Father I've made known to you. It's this idea that that God is personal friend who discloses himself, who shares himself, who shares his heart with us that we might know him. And he invites us actually to share our heart back with him in this relationship where there's it's two directional and, and we impact one another. Of course, I guess with God, it's not like we're at the same level God is God and we are not. We are His creatures that He has made. But nonetheless, there's this two way dynamic where He is impacted by us and where to be impacted by Him. One of the rich images that Ed unpacks is sitting down in someone's home and enjoying their hospitality. And he says that, you know, that's really what God does with us. It's like He invites us to a meal, gets us to sit down at the table, and, and He Leans across. And I guess we we see this lived out in in Jesus in the way that Jesus related to people. It's like he invites us to tell him about ourselves. He says it's like you know turning up at someone's house who you know really really well. You know they don't want you standing out, knocking on the doorstep, unsure of whether you want them to walk in. And there's like an open door policy. Perhaps they've even given you a key. They want you to come in and feel right at home. It's that kind of thing, being being personal. And yes, applying that then to a marriage is that it's it's natural that we share our hearts with our spouse. And as the listening spouse, our goal is really to be impacted by what the other's saying to us, so that we feel what they feel. We want to follow and go where they go, and that kind of brings up the other side of one part. I guess of connecting personally is sharing on the one hand, and the other part. Is, is listening and it's following what's important to the person you're sharing. Now, you haven't done the same study that I've done, but you've picked up on quite a bit of it. So the other side, one of the ways of describing it is, is tracking. Do you want to unpack a bit what your understanding of that is and why that's helpful?
1: Yeah, so I guess what you were saying about um, following what's important to someone is really the heart of it. So mm. you're listening out for what is it that this person has their mind on and values, and it's what they're thinking about, what they're feeling, all points you to to what's important to them, mm. and that's what you're wanting to find out more about. So mm. listening out for that, and then probing a little bit, uh, asking questions to see where that goes, mm. um, yeah, and trying to get to the bottom of what it is that is bothering them or that they're excited about or whatever it is.
0: Hmm. And you were saying that that's kind of taking it a step further from active listening and lots of counselling we hear that in terms of improving our communication, being an active listener. Hmm. But this is something a bit, bit more than that again, would you say?
1: Yeah, well, I guess like the thing you said about being impacted by someone hmm. and we talked as well about enjoying one another. Yeah that it's it's not a mechanical thing or a dutiful thing mm. but it's something that perhaps flows a bit more naturally when you're yeah yeah engaged with the person and yep. you know, it's a bit hard to put your finger on
0: but Yeah. So you can have like a paid professional counsellor, maybe you're sitting across the lounge from and they could be nodding at all the right points and either giving those soothing mms or whatever in response <laughs> yeah. to what you're saying. Mm. But like those outside signs that are not necessarily showing yeah. impact on them emotionally yeah, on their whole yeah. person, so that they they could be showing that, or yeah. what could be going on inside is just what they've learnt and been trained yeah. to do, and they're giving all the right external responses. Yeah. But if they have a very cold, hard line boundary approach, I just see, yeah, I don't really take on board your stuff. I'm not saying they there should be, but but I'm not kind of impacted by you. Yeah. There's a,
1: it's a bit more two-way. Yeah. 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 what
0: well, it can just be a bit, that's the mechanical yeah, thing, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's giving the right gestures and facial expressions, and but it might not have the same heart behind it. Yeah. It can be done mechanically or it can be done in a way that's really felt.
1: Yeah, that's it. It's to do with the heart behind it. Yeah. yeah okay. And I guess part of that as well is to do with sharing yourself. Yeah. So I guess. I've tended to think that the loving thing to do is not to share so much of yourself but to listen and preference whatever is important to the other person, mm. yeah, and draw them out and talk about the things they want to talk about yeah. and not so much contribute my own thoughts and responses and what's going on for me as well into that. Yeah. I guess starting to realise that that's a really important thing for being recipro- reciprocal. Yeah, and yeah it has to do with enjoying the other person trusting the other person and also I think there can be a subtle kind of pride Mm. in the other approach where you're wanting to care for the other person but not allowing them to care for you back Mm. (laughs) so I think yeah as people who are needy I guess to needing to allow the other person to help you as well hmm. you. yeah
0: so there are quite a few ideas that we could pick up and unpack there it's just going back to the tracking idea first so again that's a term that ed welsh has used in his class and i guess it comes from that kind of hunter image of looking for the marks of a, mm. a creature that you're chasing and you're, mm. you're following intently it's, it's that kind of thing. That's what you're doing in conversation, isn't it? Mm, it's, you're, mm. you're actually actively pursuing the other person yeah. by being interested and continuing to ask that next question yeah. and listening for the things that they're feeling that are weighing on them and,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: and going after that. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's kind of the idea. And one of the interesting examples that Ed Welsh used that's just stuck with me was from a Scene of a television show where he was illustrating what he's talking about, and he's saying that American context. So he's saying the young daughter is really upset and saying that she doesn't like boys to her mother, and she's just, you know, doesn't want anything to do with boys. And if you just picked up on the dialogue of what's being said between the mother and the daughter, you would think that the mother's response is actually out of line as the mother responds with this comment. It's okay, sweetie. Someone will ask you to the prom. So at face value, there's this mismatch of words spoken and what's said, but but actually what's going on there is the mother is tracking her daughter. She actually knows what the real issue is. She knows her daughter well enough. And all these external things that a daughter's saying (laughs) are just expressions of She's worried someone's not going to ask her, mm. and she's looking for some kind of reassurance. And the mother kind of bypasses all that other words <laughs> and cuts to the heart mm. of what's going on for the daughter. So sometimes tracking looks like that. It's, it's mm. actually
1: it's listening for the heart beneath the words. Yeah, mm.
0: yeah, yeah. I guess ideally in a marriage, we're wanting both husband and wife to be growing in sharing their hearts with one another but also this skill of of tracking but it's it's not just a skill is it it's a, it's, mm-hmm. it's a posture it's a, yeah. it's a I want to know you yeah. posture yeah. and attitude yeah. that's being shown to the other person and I guess it shows itself in in listening but mm. but but really wanting to know the other person yeah uh, you were talking a bit about how this fleshes out a bit more we've talked about restorative love but you've talked about before we started recording and having conversation you're saying this is actually an important piece of the puzzle for understanding that love do you you want to talk about that a bit more
1: yeah so i guess like your desire is to help one another
0: Hmm.
1: and in order to do that you need to know what's going on in the other person's heart Mm. And part of that is, like, seeing how they respond in situations Mm. and just living together, those things come up. But a big part of it as well is knowing the other person well enough Mm. to know their typical struggles, to Mm. know their strengths, particular strengths Mm. and giftings, and to know how they tend to think and respond in particular situations because that then gives you a window that enables you to ask good questions that are helpful Mm. and to prompt them to think through things or
0: Mm.
1: yeah to to make suggestions or ask more questions Mm. that lead to that kind of help um, that we were talking about Mm. um change that brings about flourishing Mm.
0: so it's just helpful in knowing the other person that's kind of critical to knowing the other person and then being able to respond helpfully yeah, in a whole range of situations yeah. that, that come up. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering as well if there's a sense in which it relates to that kind of well-known saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care.
1: Yeah, that's true as well, yeah. It kind of wins you the right as well to yeah speak into each other's lives. Um, yeah,
0: is when someone's lived with you through a whole range of experiences hardship and mm. and blessings and joys mm. there's just this solid foundation mm. that's that's there of of trust and mm. there's been a continued pattern of pursuing the other through mm. listening to what's shared and and genuine interest in what's shared mm. then you're much more receptive then mm, mm. <laughs> to being helped by that person when you know that you need help, when yeah. you're not seeing things clearly rather than getting defensive and having your walls up. Yeah. Uh, you you're actually, they're your ally. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, and
0: you know that they're going to be speaking for you and for your good, even if sometimes they might say things that <laughs> you're not quite wanting to hear if there's yeah. a characteristic pattern in your life that's being coming up again and your first response is uh you know if it's for us often it's perfectionism Mm -hmm. and one of us reminding the other of perhaps you're expecting too much of yourself here (laughs) is that a realistic expectation to have Uh, sometimes it can be a relief to hear that but sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be oh not again like (laughs) it's the last thing you want to hear but but it is actually spoken (laughs) Mm -hmm. for your good
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and i guess the positive side of that as well that it actually allows you to see God's work in the other person's life. Mm-hmm. And that can be incredibly encouraging and allow you to encourage them, mm-hmm. um, especially when they might not be able to see that themselves.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I want to pick up something else that you said before earlier. You talked about that humility that's required to seek others' help. and. I guess people who are in roles that involve a substantial caring load, whether that's counselling or a, a pastoral role or maybe it's an aged care or something where there's a lot of giving out, there can be this tendency to see yourself as only performing that mm. role and keeping yourself very much safe mm. and hidden or even thinking that that might be for the best of the person. Mm. <laughs> but I think one thing you said before we were recording was that you were learning that you're actually willing for me to help you in situations Mm. and and others at times and just to kind of invite them into the mess that you you sometimes find yourself in.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess like the idea of only sharing what's helpful for the other person when you're wanting to love the other person, there's some truth to that. (laughs) Mm. But I think – there's more to it than that because Mm. i can think like if i'm in a really bad headspace and i know that things aren't right with my thinking and i'm in a bit of a mess i can think that's not going to be helpful for you Mm. if i just dump all that on you Mm. (laughs) um so i'm just going to keep it to myself and just bottle it up or try and work through it myself Mm. but oftentimes it's actually really helpful for me and for our relationship for me to share what I'm thinking Hmm. and you've often been able to then help me with my perspective Hmm. or um, kind of help me tease out my thinking a bit more and not get sort of stuck in my own um, cycle of mulling something over and not really moving forward Hmm. and yeah that's I guess part of having the humility to allow you to help me Hmm. which is also an important trait so Hmm. caring for your best interest is important humility is also important and recognizing my own Hmm. weakness and limitations Hmm. and so i guess it's bringing both those things into yeah i guess a decision of what what you share and (laughs) yeah how
0: you share it yeah okay for those of you who are listening i've got a couple of application questions for you to get you thinking the first one is particularly along the lines of sharing. And I want you to picture a spectrum in your mind where one end is like being a completely closed book. You're, you're private. You keep your innermost thoughts to yourself. You would find them very hard to share with your spouse. You share very little of that with your spouse. And the other end of the spectrum is that you share everything, a completely open book. It's kind of nothing that would take your spouse by surprise if they were to find out. It's it's all out there. and um, As you think about that, I, I want you to think, where do you think you are on the spectrum? How well do you share your heart with your spouse? Now, the second question is how well do you listen to your spouse? So, I'm getting at the tracking part here. How well do you listen to your spouse and follow what's important to them? Now, after you've had some time to think about those questions and and respond personally. I'd also like you to actually invite your spouse to give their thoughts both on how well you share where, where they think you are compared to what you've said and then also how well do they feel you listen to them and follow what's important to them when you have a conversation. Well, as I said earlier, we're breaking this episode into two parts. That brings us to the end of connecting personally, part one. But keep listening to the next part if you'd like to hear Haley and I speak more personally about ways that we've grown in this area of connecting at a personal level, both in sharing our hearts and learning to track one another better and a few other thoughts we have on our wider culture and how that impacts on us.